Hi, welcome to NDE TV. Today's guest is Barbara Ireland, and she is going to tell us all about herself and about her, her experiences. Now, you had it NDE as well, correct? That's right. Okay. So just wherever you want to start is fine with me. Okay. Well, let's start with the NDE. Okay. Um, so as you and I were discussing a moment ago, I was in a band with the guitar player for Pearl Jam, Stone Gossard, and I was co-singer with him in this band. And we were on tour and in Brooklyn on stage when, I mean, this is Stone Gossard. He has a lot of fans, right? So the entire place is loving him. I don't know what they thought about me. Now, what was your role? So I was a singer with him. Okay. Yeah. So um, everything's going great. And then I noticed this one man in the very front, right in front of me, who was disliking the whole band, the whole thing. He probably thought it was going to be Pearl Jam, but we were not Pearl Jam. And we focus on that one negative, don't we? <laughs> we do indeed. And that was how this whole thing began because you know, out of hundreds of people, for some reason, my consciousness zoomed into this man and I couldn't get him out of my thoughts while I was performing. And so, so I, 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 you know, I thought, what's wrong with that guy? And then what's wrong with the band? And then quickly, what's wrong with me? I'm such a bad singer. Why did Stone bring me on tour? what am I doing here? And this high notes coming, I'm not going to hit it. And it was just this cascade of negative thoughts, 99% of which were about myself. And while I had to do the whole show that way, I had this stream of negative thoughts going, while this other part of my consciousness was remembering lyrics and singing and acting like everything was normal. And then Peggy, there was a third part of my consciousness who was standing standing behind me observing me doing all this bizarre um you know gymnastics with my mind and saying wow look at all that going on and so i was just in this altered state so that night i you went to yourself from behind or you felt someone from behind? It was me. It was like a version of my, it was the, my higher power probably observing me right. doing this. Mike, he was like that. That's so weird. I was more than one place, but go ahead. Yeah, exactly. I get that. Yeah. So I'm glad you do. So, so that night I was laying in bed and I thought, are these, are these negative thoughts going on in my head all the time? Cause I'm not aware of them. And I thought, if that's the case, we need to get rid of these things. And therapy hadn't done it. And so I thought, I need to figure out something else. So I signed up. I had this great idea. I'd sign up for this camp where you go and you push boundaries and you face your fears and you develop courage and you get over hurdles. So I signed up for that when I got home. And months later, it was happening. And so this was in a very remote area of Vancouver. And, um, and I, I luckily suckered my best friend into going with me. 
And it was a really good thing because this is where my near death experience happened. So all week long, we're, we're sleeping in tents, but sleep deprivation. They gave us about three hours a night. And all during the day was physical, extreme, difficult, scary things. And I signed a form, so I can't tell you what, but we're talking heights and fire and creepy people doing things that freak you out. And then there's tons of lecturing late into the night. So you're mentally, physically, and emotionally exhausted. And this helps your self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> well, the weird thing was I was doing really well. I was thinking, wow, I, I'm really courageous. I just did that crazy thing today. And I'd be thinking, why am I so stupid? I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so the last day was a endurance experience. So my body was very tired by now. And I had been drinking tons of water. It was hot out and didn't want to be dehydrated. I had been sweating all week long. So about halfway through this event, I was fine up to then. And then my legs started getting really shaky. I started seeing flashes in the air. Sounds were sounding really, really like that, just uh -huh. reverberating. I couldn't understand my partner, team partner. And I kept drinking water, thinking I must be dehydrated. Well, when I got back, which was a miracle, I even made it back, but I did the whole event. And at the end, it was like a horror movie. There were so many, um, all my senses were completely confused. And now you were back home? Is that what you mean? Or back no, to I mean, just at the end of this event. So I'm still there and I made oh, it through okay. this endurance thing. You're still there. Okay. Yeah. So I'm coming through the finishing line of this and people are clapping on either side of the, the finish line and they look like out of a horror movie. They're strobing and yeah yeah the world it was just creepy and so i i sat down and i asked for someone to get a medic well the the poor fellow that came was seriously not a medic i think maybe he had um one of those cpr courses so like, yeah Please. if you signed a thing nobody's responsible <laughs> why have <real> exactly <laughs> And which blows my mind if you knew the things we were doing. I mean, people could have been paralyzed, killed, you know, who knows, trauma, who knows what would have, I don't know, wasn't well run in that sense. So he, he gave me electrolytes, which on the physical plane, I think is what saved my physical body. But it, that, it, it got way beyond that as far as what actually happened. Because what was what was happening as far as physically was heat stroke. So I was actually having stroke symptoms. But but more importantly for my particular body is hyponatremia, which is when the sodium gets washed out of your blood. And I that's have that too. Splitting. Okay, you know that. Yeah. So you know it didn't crash. I didn't know the name blood. for it. Yeah. Uh, they they said low in potassium, but I have just learned that if I just have a little bit of salt, I'm good, like that. Yep, exactly. Is that exactly. where you are? Yes, I, I need to have salt all the time. What's that called? I need to look into that. Yeah, hyponatremia. Okay. 
And marathon runners sometimes keel over from it because they're sweating and drinking so much water. So, um, so, so my blood pressure was crashing. I was having stroke symptoms. So the, the so-called medic and my best friend took me back to my tent and there uh, it was too hot. So I lay under a tree, this beautiful, beautiful tree. And as I lay there, um, and I, I always at this point, I, there's these moments of the near-death experience, I start tearing up because it was so intense and I'm so grateful for everything that happened. So just letting you know. So one at a time, each of my limbs just stopped. I could, they went offline, so to speak. And I could sense them dying in a way to the point where I was screaming in terror to my friend. My left leg's gone, my right leg, my arm. It just sounds like he was like being unplugged, like yes. losing your battery. Like That is a perfect description, Peggy, perfect. It felt exactly like that. In fact, I felt the energy coming out of my head, which I later d decided must have been life energy because when I chose to come back, I felt it come back but it was drifting out and it was this really odd sensation. And I was basically a torso and a head laying there under a tree, helpless. And I was crying and all this. And then out of the blue, this movie started playing of something in my life from a few weeks earlier, a band practice with my, I was in a brother with a, a band with my brother and some other people. And he and I had had an argument at this rehearsal and it played this, this movie. And I um, always tried to describe the movie as it was something I was watching in this moment, but I was also experiencing it at the same mm -hmm. time. So I don't know how to describe I that. know what you mean. Okay. <laughs> My drowning, like the scene opened up is why I call it because I don't know how to call it. And it was just this memory of I'm looking at this fishbowl with the house and, but it was happening. It was yeah. a memory, but it was happening. I know what you mean. Oh, I'm so glad. Yes. Yes. And so you have, as you know, the same, you know, you can tap into the same emotions, the same thoughts, everything's the same, but you're all, it, you're also kind of watching it. Yeah. So that was going on. And at some point, this neutral male-ish voice, no male voice said, the, the, the movie stopped and this freeze frame of this moment. And it said, what were you thinking at that moment? And I thought about it and I said what I was thinking. And at that, as soon as I said that, the, the movie, went away and a new movie began from like Did it a month teach ago. you something? Do you feel that was there to teach you something? I didn't know what was going on yet. I just answered the question. Okay. And so then the new image of something that happened another day stopped at this exact moment when I raised my eyebrow and I could see my eyebrow raised. And it said, what were you thinking when you raised your eyebrow? And I thought about it and I said, and that went off, another one came up, and this went on for hours, Peggy. Wow. They're all adult things, not childhood for some reason. And I'm going to um, admit something that cracks me up now. There were um, two instances 
where it said, what were you thinking right then? And I lied <laughs> because it was so like not generous and embarrassing <laughs> and maybe judgmental or, you know, I said, well, I was thinking blah, blah, blah. And then the, the movie didn't go away. It stayed there and said, are you sure? <laughs> and I'm like, okay actually I was thinking blah 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 and it went away so obviously I couldn't I couldn't lie to this being that was a nice way for them to approach you are you sure like you both face liar but are you sure exactly it was funny so this went on for several hours wow. I was so engaged with it that I forgot about being afraid I was so curious about what was going on. I wasn't questioning it. I was just going along with it. And then um, at one point, the movie stopped and the voice said, um, you now have a choice, Barbara, to stay or go. So I'm, I'm tearing up because, oh, as you know, I, I never passed 100% out of my body. But all during this time, I was moving closer and closer and closer towards death. And at the moment I was asked this, I had one foot in this world and one foot in that world. And I'm tearing up because the love on that side was so magnificent and overpowering and welcoming that obviously I can feel it right now. It was like pure love consciousness. And it had its arms open saying, you are welcome here if you want to come. But I am so grateful I was given a choice. And I really had to think about it because what I felt was so great over there. And I knew coming back to my body, there are so many things I love about life. But I was going through a divorce. I was on antidepressants. I... Um, even though I was having a really cool time singing with Stone, I didn't know my purpose. I was, you know, there was a whole bunch of things messed up. I was having problems with my brother that I needed to resolve. And, um, and I thought, God, it would be really great to just leave all that and go into that incredible space of love. So I had a conversation with this voice and we, we discussed it and I made the decision to come back. And the moment I said, I would like to come back. Well, first the voice said, you need to talk to these four, um, four people and do and within the first week of when you're back and you need to tell them these things. And I agreed to that and I did that. It was re remarkable and intense. But as soon as we went through all that, immediately the, energy went zooming back through my head into me all of my limbs came back online and within i would say four or five minutes i felt completely normal besides being exhausted and perplexed about everything that had just happened and i opened my eyes to see the sun had gone down and oh my gosh peggy to see this earthly gorgeous plane again here we go mm -hmm. it's like through the eyes of a baby being born but with an adult consciousness of seeing and you know what you're seeing 
but it's all brand new and it's so miraculous and it's so alive and it's the colors were over the top. I wonder and, if part of you was still one foot over there that you was able to experience that feeling. Possibly. I, I don't I don't know. I, all I know is this feeling of intense aliveness and joy lasted for a whole month. Wow. And so you know, I that's were, common though with near-death experiencers. I've heard some of them say they still felt like felt like they had one foot over there. Did they? they come back for quite a while? Yes. I think Mary yeah. Neal, Jeffrey Olson, I believe they both said it. Uh, well, it's a beautiful space if you can like integrate it. <laughs> you know, I, I was lucky that I had a flexible schedule and I could integrate. I could take some time off and I spent hours smelling flowers in the neighborhood or eating food so slowly and being a lot of the time by myself and and just spacing out at the clouds and listening to music to my whole body. I mean, it was extraordinary. And then slowly that started fading. I didn't smell every flower. I heard music through my ears. I started eating while I was doing something else like reading or something working and worst of all peggy is i started hearing negative thoughts again oh no i started hearing mainly worry was my thing worry again and now some self-doubt coming in and now some judgment for myself or other people and self-criticism and i was like what and i was mad i was thought I went through a near-death experience and that crazy-ass camp and therapy before all that. So you knew and what I, it was called? No, no, okay. that was later. No, I labeled it later. I went okay. through that weird experience okay. is what I called it <laughs> for a long time until um, I started reading and understanding. But um, I'm doing my own contemplation. But um so so because i got angry i sat down and i thought okay what was the common denominator of all those questions i was asked for those hours in what was later i came to understand was a life review of, of sorts and i realized every single question was about my thoughts it's some about my emotions but they were always connected to a thought and it dawned on me if I were to alter the way I think, I bet you my life would change because every one of those instances was made worse or brought on by a thought because the things that are happening to us every moment of every day are just happening. But it's our interpretation, our reaction, our own triggers that are causing them to be good or bad. And so I didn't know any of that back then. I was just living like a normal human being, being triggered, being reacted, pulling from all the story of my life to decide if this was good or bad, or if I was better or worse than somebody, comparing, you know, jealousy, self-doubt, all this stuff, the pure identity of who I am was based on my 
thinking. And that's the normal state of human beings. The problem is the thinking that we're deciding are us or that is the world is incorrect. It's the persona, it's the ego, which I have no problem with the ego, but it's just extraordinarily out of balance with what actually is and what is actually underneath all of that. I had no idea at that point. And in fact, as I wrote you um, recently, so much more um, awakening about this has happened in the last few months. So my near-death experience happened in 2010. And that began this whole journey of listening to my thoughts, altering the way I think, researching how humans think, the neuroscience behind it, the um, what causes depression, what causes anxiety, the um, chemical biological addictions that we get to, to um, unwanted emotions. We think, oh, I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be jealous. I don't want to have self-doubt. But our brain literally starts getting addicted to these things because we're used to them. And, and I don't know this word, this hydro thing, the salt, because I mean, I'm saying I have that. I mean, I have been diagnosed, but you know, I, I didn't know there's a name for it because I just know yeah. I have salt and my sister's yes. disabled. They say she ha- doesn't get enough salt to her brain and she's mentally disabled her whole life. And so wow. I'm wondering if we, some of us that have this salt issue might have more trouble with those negative thoughts because our body chemistry is doing things. That's very possible. And um, I've also read in my research that, and and I don't know anything about your childhood. I I know you said some of it in your drowning experience, but um, they said that repetitive thoughts, specifically negative repetitive thoughts, which um, I'll give you a crazy statistic in a moment, but um, that that is more pronounced in people that grew up with um, a, an alco- alcoholism in the family. And yeah, I don't know, I don't really understand that. Yeah, it, the PTSD, childhood abuse, is, and I think with vets too, it just, it alters our brain chemistry. Yes, it does. Absolutely. So in, yeah. in my research, I discovered that we think 60,000, uh, the average person thinks about 60,000 thoughts a day. What percentage would you guess of those thoughts are repetitive, whether good or bad? Do you have an idea? That's a lot though. Yeah. We dwell. (laughs) Yes, we dwell, ruminate. They they believe 90% of our thoughts are repetitive. And then do you have an idea of what percentage might be negative? thoughts for just the average person oh probably half (laughs) 70 percent really so if we're thinking 60,000 thoughts a day 90 percent of which are repetitive and 70 percent of which are negative then it's no wonder people are on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medicines and struggling so hard yeah and for me i realized the hard way i can't have caffeine not even a little bit 
No, I thought, okay, I I had to cut off decaf. I found out there's 6% caffeine and decaf. Yes. You know, my husband got, I could only have like um, the non-caffeine pop and he got me some pop the other day and I started feeling edgy and grouchy again. And he looked, it was sun-kissed. It's like, I think 14% caffeine. I'm like, oh, "Oh, I can't do it. Like the passwords start coming. And I'm like, I have caffeine. (laughs) I got to watch the sugar too. And yes. then you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I have this salt thing. I'm going to get that checked because I didn't know there's a name for it. Yes. And my potassium Absolutely. keeps bottoming out. And I was sitting on the squad one time. I was at work and my potassium just went out. It kind of reminded me of what you were saying, but mine was not hearing everybody else's voice doing that. When I opened my mouth, whoa, yeah, it was coming out like that. Oh. My wow. words weren't coming out. You know, because confused, I didn't know where I was. And, and so they called the squad. And it was like your potassium was like dangerously low. I mean, even everything. I don't know why I bottomed, but I just something I have to watch. You know, to eat banana. Our bodies are so beautiful and so sensitive and so different mm-hmm. in what it needs, what each of them needs. Um, so I'm glad you're paying attention and, and getting the Yeah, but you, know, you have to get a certain age where you figure this stuff out. <laughs> <You're just laughs> yeah, I know, I decades. know. Like, you know, especially the salt thing. Like nobody hears of that. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, they always say drink more water. Well, some of us need to be careful and make sure we have, we balance that with salt or we'll wash all the salt out. Now, did you know you had that condition at the time or was that? No, that's when I got back. Okay. Yeah. And I had, I I got everything tested out. What do they have you do for it? Um, Blood tests. But I mean, to take care of it now, like Oh, making sure, like my doctor said, eat potato chips before you go on hikes, which will crack okay. me up. So it is. But just basically eating more salt. And my blood tests, yeah, my blood tests have said I'm low on salt. So yeah, my husband has to wash the salt and I don't. Like- That's all they said. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the, the research led me to. Sorry, I got off topic. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. We'll go wherever the topic goes, okay? (laughs) So um, the research led me to develop, um, after three years of intense research and and working on myself to figure out how to change these thoughts because they get in neural pathway grooves and you can't just change them. You have to, you know, you have to choose to change them. You have to even hear what they're being, what's being said. You know, when I was, performing that night in Brooklyn I didn't even know these were going on but they were unconscious until that night so so the first step is even becoming aware of what we're seeing in our heads and then we can start working with that but um so I developed something called the de-looping method because I called these mind loops because they loop and loop and loop in there and there are negative thoughts that can come in and they stay briefly and they go away but the people like me that, or I guess a lot of us, if so many percentage of our people have repetitive negative thoughts, <laughs> they repeat. And we know it's like that hamster on a wheel. So um, my life, Peggy, changed dramatically as I started changing these thoughts. I mean, dramatically. Um, within a year, I was off antidepressants and I had been on them for years and without any dips because my 
emotional state would be neutral, fine. And then I'd have these intense dark dips and it would take so much effort to pull myself out of the depression, go along and then another dip. I haven't gotten a dip since then. Doesn't matter if hardcore things have happened in my life, like people dying, um, that has happened since then. I feel grief, but I don't dip. So, I mean, that is dramatic. My energy is higher. I look so different. Sometimes, sometimes I, I should get some photos of before and after because the, the, it, it's just such a, you can see the difference in my inner difference on my outer body. I tried antidepressants like 10 years ago, I think, mm -hmm. and uh, for maybe a year. And then I went off because I realized my kids was all be, would all be laughing. And I'd say, what are you laughing at? I wasn't oh. laughing with my kids anymore. Yeah, it can dampen some things for some people. Yeah. For me, they were a blessing at, a, at the time when I needed them. And I, I don't have anything against them for short-term extreme right. points. But after that, um, there are so many other methods. They just, they're harder. They, you know, they take more effort than taking a pill. So the person has to be willing and um, committed to doing different things, whether that's meditation or exercise or de-looping or you know, um, tapping, whatever it is. Um, but they are the ones that last. They're the ones that actually change us. But anyway, I, I, I'm fine with antidepressants for people that need them at the time they need them. Right. Personally. Um, anyway, let's see. So, so yeah, my life dramatically changed. Money changed, relationships changed, everything changed. And I, that's when I wrote my book and it's called How to Stop Negative Thoughts. It's read all over the country, all over the world. I get these um, notifications when people um, get the, the workbook that comes with it. And they're from sometimes places I hardly have to look it up on the map. Where is this cool place? So that, that is so rewarding to me that it's getting out there. I like those books that come with a workbook. I yeah. had one years ago on PTSD and it come with a workbook. And I found that yeah. really helpful. Yeah, I do too. I do too. So um, that all happened. And then the next phase of my near-death experience, it's had these different stages. The next stage was thinking... Okay, the first stage is to turn off the faucet of negative thoughts. Just turn off that influx of negative thinking and then start living with a new lens. Um, it's, it's kind of like driving in a car and driving, looking through a windshield at the, at the for, at forward, at the new things coming instead of always looking in the rear view mirror and allowing my past and my story to direct my driving. Mm -hmm. So now I was driving forward. <laughs> then I thought, I am so curious about the creative power of thought because the negative thoughts are extraordinarily creative. They're just creating things I don't want. I wonder what would happen if I started 
directing my thoughts towards the things I do want. And now that I've kind of turned off the faucet of the negative automatic thoughts. And that's when I reacquainted myself because I had been involved in it earlier years ago in the conscious creating or manifesting and started really working with the idea of manifesting things I wanted in my life. I ended up developing a course called Blueprint for Magic that combines the new place I was in with these thoughts and the near-death experience with some old practices that had come through me years earlier as a download one day that allowed me to get an office that I was desperate I needed to get the very next day and um, three boyfriends I used it for, um, which was wonderful. It was extraordinarily powerful for me. Three so boyfriends it, you used it for. <laughs> yeah. The difference you talking about difference. the office or the magic? <laughs> What's that? You talking about the office or the magic? <laughs> no, no, the magic, the magic. Yeah. Because I heard, I got an office and the three boyfriends I used it for. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No, I never, I never brought the boyfriends to the office. No, <laughs> that was good. No, yeah, the magic brought all this stuff. <laughs> um, so I, I, I have, I developed this course, and um, it's such a beautiful course, Peggy. But I'm in a, such an unusual state right now that I don't mark. I don't choose to market i don't want to market if someone's interested in it if, if there are 10 people interested in taking this beautiful um manifesting course called blueprint for magic i will open it and so so i'm just leaving that out there now the word magic is going to scare christians i think oh well that's too bad you know because what i mean if you could explain Yes, I will. If you pull, because you, you're here manifest and then yeah. you magic, right? Oh, wait a minute, are we getting black magic now? <laughs> I see, I see. What about white magic? I mean, you could look at Christ having walked on water or making wine out of water. That's magical. That's, you could call it blueprint for miracles if that's a more um appropriate word for christians the, the i do idea, i think that word is a trigger okay thank for you for christians. that for me magic is just magical because yeah, there's so much new age stuff right now what's that there's so much new age stuff yeah and, and christians is like getting on this side and the and the new age oh. is getting over here and it seems like there's this big you stay away from me and i stay away from you and oh. so i just wanted to clarify so people don't misunderstand i appreciate that so much peggy because to me those are you know language is very um complicated and misleading and language is completely connected with the thoughts in our heads, completely intertwined. In fact, self-consciousness of a human being developed at the time when language developed. And until that time, we perceived 
now we we think in concepts and so when we see a tree we don't we don't perceive the tree we think what a beautiful tree and it takes away it removes us from the experience of perception and it creates judgment um that tree is ugly that tree is beautiful that person is ugly that person is beautiful that word is ugly that word is beautiful they're all concepts based on our thoughts in our head but in but but we just try to express as well as we can what is happening in this 3d world of us using language but it, unfortunately it has all sorts of past things stuck to it so mm -hmm. i will describe for for sounds like for a christian community the word miracle is the same thing to me as the word magic yeah. it's they're both absolutely beautiful yeah. like i can see i can be in the worst negative place and i know and my husband knows get that christian music channel on the message yeah. and it's like magic yes exactly exactly so you you understand where mm -hmm. i'm i think you understand where i'm coming yeah, from. yeah i do yeah. i just want to make sure other people don't freak and have instant fear when they hear that word magic especially when it comes right after the word manifest because those Got are like bigger it. words for christians yes that, here we go you know and then on my channel i have everybody you know atheists yes. ministers and i don't tell anybody they can't come on and sure. but most places aren't that way one side may not want anybody very christian and then yeah. the other side might not you have to be not only christian you got to meet a christian to meet our standards <laughs> and so uh, um see, and to me this is so sad it is. This is exactly this is exactly what i'm talking about when i'm talking about mind loops because whatever side you're looking at and same with politics whatever side one is on they are pushing against the other and the fact is we are all aspects of God. We are all, and I, this brings tears to my eyes because when I walk down the street now, it can be any type of person. And I, I take off the label of that is a certain type of person or is that a certain, that's a beautiful person. That's a non-beautiful person. That's um, a you know, kind person. That's a harsh person, whatever it is. I just see them as aspects of God. And when we take these mind loops out, we start actually seeing everyone underneath these persona suits <coughs> we have on. And the persona suits might be a Christian persona suit, or the, this persona suit might be a new age or manifester persona suit, or a Buddhist suit, or a Republican or Democrat suit, whatever suit, underneath all of that is the being that is the beautiful spirit that came incarnating here and when i had that um altered state on stage while i was singing in brooklyn and there was that self behind me observing that's the piece i'm talking about that is the spirit that is all of us and i truly believe we are all doing our best. We are trying our best. 
we are so filled with these negative thoughts and loops and judgments and stories and assumptions about each other and about the world that it's destroying connection. And so I'm, I'm thrilled you brought up this word magic because it's opened up such a cool thread of conversation for us that, as you can tell, is just moving me. Because it, it, it makes me so sad that something like a word mm-hmm. can cause fear in people or anger. Yeah, put a wall right up and say, she is that. Yes. Back. <laughs> exactly, exactly. When the and you're not that. No. It has nothing to do with you. They, people no, create monsters not. in their mind. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the person they're talking about. Yeah. So anyway, I, I guess that's enough about all that. But, <laughs> but, but um, so I started using thought for creative purposes. And it was beautiful. It, it, it's, you can, maybe a Christian community might say prayer is another version of it. And if someone is praying for something, um, or if you're talking to another group, if you're manifesting for something, either way, when people pray, sometimes they're praying with gratitude toward God. Sometimes they're praying for, please um, let me know God more. Sometimes they're praying for health for a friend who's ill. Sometimes they're praying, you know, they might be praying for something. Please help me get through this difficult divorce, whatever it is. Whatever we're praying for, whatever we're trying to manifest, they're very, very similar. So I'll get both of your audience. (laughs) The most important thing is for that person to be 100% sure they want that. Because whether you're manifesting or praying, that thing or sensation or quality or whatever it is you want absolutely can come to that person. But here is the really interesting thing that has been part of the illumination in the last few months. And that is, we think we want something, but if we really dive in deep, we often find out there's a reason we don't want it. And I'll give you a heavy duty example. There was a woman I read about who had very extensive cancer, like stage three or four, like very far. And she was in bed, very sick. And every day, you know, people who loved her would come and visit her. They'd pray for her. They brought her books. She read all the time. And and she had someone come, a really good friend, and said, do you want, do you want your cancer to go away? She's like, of course I want my, are you crazy? Of course I'd do anything. I'm praying to have my cancer go away. And this friend, bold, courageous person, this friend was, said, are you getting anything out of having cancer that is beneficial to you? And 
bless this woman. She actually thought about it instead of instantly shutting down her brain saying, absolutely not. And she thought, I was so lonely before I had cancer. No one came to visit me. I don't have a spouse. People come every day. They bring me flowers and gifts and they spend time with me and talk to me. They bring me food. I'm so grateful for that. And she thought a little more and said, I don't have to go to that horrible job anymore. All I ever wanted to do was sit home and read and look at my stack of books. All day I get to read. And then she thought, um, see, there was another thing. Well, anyway, that's enough. You get the idea. I get the idea. There was parts of her that absolutely did not want to to um, have not, to not have cancer. And there was this one moment where it's really, really, this is when the lesson came to me. I was um, somewhere in South America and I was praying or manifesting. No, I was a prayer. And I, and it was, I was in this deep state of meditation and contemplation. And there was these mosquitoes. It's like, <laughs> driving me crazy. And so I was like, and we, and in my prayer, I was, I was, I guess you could call it a prayer. It was a discussion with something, you know, spirits after the things that happen after near death experiences, we start having connection, a guide, let's say a guide. Okay. And so it's not God to you as guide. I'm just curious, like who those voices were during your near death experience that were talking to you. Just what uh, you think of I it. don't know. I don't know what. Okay. I, you, they're all manifestations of God to me. They are all manifestations of God. They're, they're beautiful, beautiful spirits. Let's just say angels, God. I don't know. I, I just call it guide. So this guide and I were discussing something. And I said, I really want those mosquitoes to go so I can really focus with you. And that's when it said, you can have, and anyone can have anything they want, but they have to be 100% sure. So are you 100% sure you do not want the mosquitoes? I said, yes. I said, just really think about it. <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness having the mosquitoes around me, I felt closer to nature. I had no idea. But if I said, go away mosquitoes, that means I'm pushing a piece of God out. I'm pushing nature out. I'm saying they're bad and they're just existing. And so I said, oh my goodness, let them stay. And it's fascinating, Peggy. So it when is. we're talking about prayer or manifestation or miracles or magic, however we want to name this, the most important thing is to make sure there's no ulterior motives for keeping it. And that requires some deep contemplation. Yeah. See, people ask me, because I was always so skinny my whole life and I've put on weight and don't you want to lose the weight? No, because it protects me. Yes, Nobody's going to kidnap cool. a fat woman. 
Nobody's going to rape a fat woman. No oh. men are going to come out of the woodwork trying to mess up my marriage with a fat woman. Yes. It just, it's a protection. Yes. <laughs> and it'd be nice if I could, could trust myself that I have the mental protection. I wouldn't need the fat. You know, I'd be able to fight somebody off. I'd be able to, you know, be aware of my surroundings. I would be, it's just, uh, like you said, it's just one of those things that uh, I don't think I'm ready to give it up. That is I like deeply insightful. I am so impressed. That is so rare for someone to look at that, especially if someone is bringing it up. It's kind of like, <laughs> it makes me feel safe. <clears throat> I get that. I totally, totally get that. I don't like feeling smaller than men. Like I'm uh -huh. done with that. I don't like feeling smaller. Um, I don't mind being bigger than all the men in the room. Oh, I, I feel very comfortable. Yes. I can imagine it's very empowering. It is. Yeah. Congratulations. And, you know, there's, uh, so, you know, women my age, they're, they're these skinny little sticks, you know, like I used to be, but I never had to be. I never tried to lose weight or anything. I was just actually skinny, right? And so, yeah. you know, I, there's one day I was in the kitchen and this one lady walks by me and she starts to fall. She's like a hundred pounds. And I just reach over and grab her <laughs> with one hand with hardly any effort to keep her from falling on her butt. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I feel strong. Yes. I feel capable. I just yeah. saved a woman you know, from breaking her neck. <laughs> uh, I think that is absolutely beautiful. And it takes body acceptance way beyond body you know it's like 10 steps further than body except and i work with my husband on the pipeline and i love to throw oh. skids they're these big timbers like i can throw skids all day like i love that feeling of strength i love getting my work boots on and my hard hat and my men clothes pulling my hair back and not feeling like a vulnerable female yes I totally hear you. And not getting female wages, because I always worked in social work and counseling, you know, and I could work a couple months and make what I would have made all year in social work. And it's just like, I get to be a man almost. I don't act manly. Like some women work on them jobs and they have to be all awful, you know? Right, right. And like, I'm just still me, but I just like inside, I like feeling strong. I'm still thinking about near-death experiences all the time and all that, you know, all my stuff. Yeah. But, but yeah. And that's not feminine. That's, that is what it is yeah that's beautiful i love that and i know what you mean i love getting dirty I'm, i mean i'm all dressed up right now with my lipstick but sister you should see me when i'm like on my normal days when i'm hiking and you know it's fun yeah one thing that makes me sad is when i see little it's usually little girls sometimes little boys and the parents say don't get your hands dirty get out of that mud i'm like Oh God, they are missing out. They're being taught that the earth, the beautiful mother earth is dirty. It's not, it's beautiful. So yeah. anyway, I have two cents on that. <laughs> <laughs> so what now, my friend, where do we go? Um, I'd had a question. Let's see, I asked you about the voice. Oh, the list of people you were supposed to contact or something yeah that happened how'd that work out uh that was that was remarkable um um 
most of them were about expressing love, profound love towards them. And again, I tear up because this is the kind of love where the person already knows I love them. For instance, one was my mother. My mother and I are very close and we say, I love you to each other, but it was instructed me to go back and express profound love <clears throat> that one might feel, let's say, at the highest moments one feels the love towards that person, or if you imagine them gone, how much you would miss them. And it, I was told, find that version of your love for these people and figure out what specifically about them do you love and what has their presence in your life meant to you in your life? Like what has my mom meant to me in this experience of life. And so <laughs> it was funny. I called each of these people up. Two of them I had um, very good relationships with. The other two needed healing. And so the first two, um, you know, I called them up and I said, will you meet me at this time? And, and I have something I want to tell you. Well, of course, I, you know, it was literally the week I had gotten back from my near-death experience. I was crying. I was like telling this crazy story of this near-death experience. And, and um, they were both, no one can look, could look at me during that week. I was so intense and so like, ex just like exuding love through my eyes that it was too much. And so they would, they were looking down and I was saying, mom, I love you because this, and you had gave this to me and these qualities and, and you, um, you, you taught me these things and without you and this and blah, 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 and just crying. And she was so overwhelmed and hardly knew what to say. And then the second person really freaked out. <laughs> and, and it was funny, you know, it became really funny because People say, oh, hey, love ya. See ya, love ya. Or love you, man. Or, you know, whatever. I, I love you. You know, it's like, but it's not like, I love you deeply, deeply love you. You know, it's like, that feels different. Yeah, that feeling you would have, like you said, if they passed, exactly. you're able to do that while they're here. Yes. And then the two that I had trouble with, one didn't live here. So I was instructed to call that person every week, just check in. I don't say anything in particular, I don't talk about love. We just need to heal years of disconnection. And <laughs> Peggy, you would not believe in, I don't know, I would say over about a year's time of that, maybe six months, but a year, and now it's been many years, insane love sprouted up. And it was just from calling from like a three to five minute conversation every week going, hey, how's it going? All right, see you later. And then meet next week again and again and again. And then reconnecting. Now it's like potent, intense, beautiful, deep, hour long conversations. And then the last person, 
who does live in Seattle with me, that one was intense because we had had a, a big, big fight a few months earlier. And first that had to be repaired. And then came the deep love from, you know, it's so, pro, so deeply in me. And again, that person was completely overwhelmed. I didn't know what on earth, how to respond because this level of intensity of emotion is rare on the earthly plane. We are so afraid of our emotions. Good or nice bad. if you had workbooks for that. That's a really, really cool idea. That's a great idea. I will give one idea that just came through right now. It's not hugely original, but it's something that your audience can take away from this. And it is profound. If they do it, it is profound. And that is to get out their phone or their email or a pen and paper right now and think of one person they need to either say, I love you too, or I am sorry too. And write them right now, a text or email or letter or the phone. I did that with my sister about a year ago. And after talking for a while, she confessed to me something I had always thought for 60 years at that time. She says, I've always hated you. <laughs> wow. Wow. And how did so, that go from there? Ah, uh, acceptance. I mean, I'd always known it, but kept out hope that I was wrong, that deep down she yeah. did have I've always hated you. <laughs> wow, that's a tough one. That's yeah. a tough bitter pill. pill. Yeah, because this is someone I had unconditional love for. I mean, she, the things she had done to me, I could write a whole list, you know. Yeah. And I said, what did I ever do to you? And she said, I just always hated you. <laughs> no, 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 um, no nope. reason? No. Nope. There might be some reason she's either not wanting to tell you or she's not even to touch with or who knows what in, your in contract the, was. With in the past, you. she's told me that um, it was because I was pretty and nobody ever called her pretty. Yeah. She was a to chubby tomboy and I was a skinny little dainty thing. And <laughs> we were both like playing kids growing up. When I got about 14, I started getting, you know, that age, you turn to the swan, you know, and I guess she didn't. Yeah. And so she never liked me and, you know, was a bully. But then when that happened, she went nowhere near me. And yeah. then later in life, when we, you know, got married, we'd have our children and things. Um, I thought, fine, she was a sister I always wanted. But then I would find out her underlying manipulation, how she was really undermining me. And so it's just never going to happen for me with her. Yeah. But so, yeah, I just, you know, I've always told her how much I love her. And I've always been the little tag along sister trying to get, you know, the older sister's attention. And she just finally said, I've, I've always hated you. Yeah. So, but Well, I will. Uh, um, that's really sad. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, it's interesting, though. I have a couple of comments to say. One is. One is, um, what was it? Oh, shoot. Hold on. Just went out of my head. 
Well, I'll just say this one. Sometimes we want to love someone. It sounds like you do have unconditional love, but mm -hmm. a lot of people might want love or from the other person by expressing our love to them. And so with the hope that they will love us back. Oh, I know what it was. The beautiful part about your story is that you cleaned up your side of the street. And all we have is our own integrity. And we can't obviously control anyone else, can't control your sister, whether she loves you or not. But you have the choice to love her without condition, without her, one, without her loving you back, which is hard. And if a person can get to that place of not needing their love, but they actually know that the, the behaviors of that person are problematic, sometimes downright evil, and I'm not saying about her, but a person, yeah. underneath that, the way they popped out of the womb was not that way. Their spirit is not that person. And so if we can love the spirit underneath that rotten behavior or unkind behavior, or unloving behavior, we've like, man, we have grown tremendously spiritually. And that takes extraordinary, um, extraordinary energy of love. Because mm -hmm. if there's a whole list of things a person's done to us, like you described, Forgiveness is really, really difficult. Well, I blame my mother because she's a tight person. You know, I was the youngest of five. And so I'm her baby. So yeah. she made all the other kids jealous of me and hate me. And then when I was 14, she had my baby brother. And to this day, she still tries to do that with him. Oh, I worry about him. I worry. I think about him. He's just, oh, I have. And I'm like, you're not making me hate my brother. No, because you're you always dote on him. That doesn't make me hate him in the no. least. That just shows me more about you. You know, change and you did this when I was little and turned my siblings away. So you know, I understand why, but yeah. they don't, and that's fine. But yeah, I wished her happy birthday. Okay. No response on Facebook, but that's okay. And like my mother, I say, you know, she's a bad mother, but that doesn't give me a right to be a bad daughter. I still like feeling like a good daughter. I'll yes. still go see her in the nursing home. And the people in the nursing home said, she tells everybody she don't like you. I was like, I know, <laughs> but I'm still coming <laughs> because I'm not a type person that very triggering. <laughs> What's that? I said, families can be very triggering. They yeah. are big lessons there, aren't they? Yeah. Big lessons. I want like to ask you. Oh, go ahead. I, I, I like to think about um, with our families or our spouses or our children, the people closest to us. I love thinking, just contemplating. Um, I wonder what happened before we were incarnated and what kind of sacred contracts these people and I might've made. And that if they are my teachers, I wonder what, these people are teaching me. Well, I was told mine in my five-year-old NDE that night yeah. after my drowning, um, I was shown 
that I was to love unloved children like me. And so I ended up having 60 foster kids and, you know, adopted wow. 10. And I didn't put all that together. I wasn't like at five years old, okay, this is what I'm going to do. You know, it was just like, right. it, as you get older, you start to put the pieces of the puzzle together and yeah. start to see your purpose, how everything yeah. was lined up. And, you know, we think people, well, they closed that door on me and this door closed on me. But guess what? It made this little ditch go off to where you were supposed to go away from the river. Yeah. You weren't supposed to go that way. This special route was for you. Yeah. And so it's just as you get older, it's like these aha moments and this clarity. Uh -huh. <laughs> Thank goodness for getting older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, the, you know, these young women, I was like, how do you got nothing on me? I was like, you have no idea how great this is. I'm so glad that I was never a drug abuser, an alcoholic, that I would have all that baggage and stuff that I can be free, mind clear and have all my memories. I don't have, you know, any trouble with the law or, you know, health problems because of any of those things. You know, I quit smoking at 18 when I got pregnant. You know, I've lived a very clean life. In fact, yeah. my doctor said to me, you thought I had a heart attack when I worked in the pipeline. They took me to the hospital. They got, they, something showed up on a stress test. And so they took me in and was getting ready. They said, it was kicking in. What are we going to do, heart surgery? Or, you know, what we're going to do, sign these papers. And so what's that test, Jim, they did? Was a heart um, cath? catheterization they pulled me out in five minutes and they said you have the heart of a 19 year old they said you must have left lived a clean life nice i was oh, like i did gorgeous and that's something to be proud of for sure i mean life is full of challenges life is a big crazy challenge maker you know and it's how we respond to all these issues and problems and challenges that come up and I, I love that. I love that you, you're, you're strong. You found other ways to handle the intensities coming at you rather than alcohol or drugs. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I've had my share of alcohol and drugs. I'm not clean in that way. I was never addicted, thank God. But um, in the music world, in the art world, there's a lot of that going on, you know? And, and I'm um, sure I would have too, in your lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's natural. You know, it's like, Oh, there's a drug. You just do a drug when you're in the music world. I don't know if it's still that way, but in, when I was more involved, it was so, um, but I think a lot of people use these things and or shopping or gambling or, um, you know, TV, anything, you know, eating and drinking anything yeah. to overworking in order to handle the intensities of life. And some of them cause more after effects than others, you know? I mean, overworking causes tremendous stress on the body and mind and spirit. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we, we, we choose which things we're going to use to get us through. Yeah, we had some close calls on the pipeline and we stood back like, we could have been gone just like that. I mean, wow. this happened right in front of us and like, oh. What, what, you know, this one day and it's off topic, but um, the day before we run out of um, these plastic cones, they stick this big, long, heavy pipe on was welding, working on. And we run out on the last, what, Jim, like 20 feet. 
And so they put skids, which is the um, big, heavy railroad ties, use those instead, which they should have used all along. But this is what this company was using was these plastic things. So they ran out of the plastic things. So they used these skids on the last 20 feet. The next day, towards the end of the day, we were working on that last 20 feet on this side of the skids. The other was all cones. And one of the bosses curved the other end of this long, well, I don't know how long, like several blocks long, 700 feet of this Whoa. big round, what, 12 inch pipe? Whoa. Yeah, decided, they thought we were done welding and they went to move the pipe. And so we looked, we felt a, we were just, my husband was just under there welding underneath that pipe. And I was there and then he got up and I got under and I was doing my work on it. And all of a sudden it started moving. No way. All of it was on the ground, except for that last 200 feet where the skids was down where we were. If we hadn't run all those plastic things, both of us or one of us would have been cut in half under that pipe. That is terrifying. Yes. That is some dangerous work you two are doing. Yeah. I mean, but there, wow. there's all kinds of things like that that could have, you know, like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, life is just a lot of different surprises for us, doesn't it? But I said, you know, but I could have got killed as a caseworker too. I had people on top of my cars. I'm pulling away, you know, Whoa. I have a hatchet in my head. So, wow. <laughs> if you're going to almost get killed, I'd rather do it for four times the money. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, and, and I'm not trying to put any labels or words on what, you know, God, the voice, the guide, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, just the thought of, because I know what you mean when you say all that. Mm -hmm. The thought that that exists is mind-blowing. And I don't think people talk about that enough yeah. As far as near death experiencers, because they all want to come up with conclusions of it's this, it's this and this. But the fact that that intelligence and that voice that knows exactly what memories to show you. Yes. And how to use it, knowing what you'll need and what you'll do with it. Yeah. Because what you end up doing with that information and making your books and your talks. And it's like this intelligence whatever name you give it is just i feel like isn't stressed enough or brought out to light enough or you know i guess maybe because there's so many labels for what that is mm -hmm. but um just it's just mind-blowing i love that you said that i absolutely love that you said that i <clears throat> Like I told you, there was in the past few months, there has been um, much more illumination than I've had in a long time. And it's happening every single day. Something new, a deeper awareness of exactly that. And I feel myself tearing up again. It's, this happens after near death. You're, you're okay, apparently, but after a near death experience, I'm so much more. Um, I can't, I can't like disguise stuff as much. So it just comes up. But I sense what you're talking about this, this profound, all 
all-encompassing consciousness or God or source or great spirit, whatever you want to call it. I feel that in the very air that I'm moving my hand through. Yes. I feel it in everything. I see it in everything. I wake when up. we're not negative. Huh? When we're not negative. Well, that's just the thing. I I haven't been feeling yeah, like, see, see, I can't feel that when I'm negative. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. But that's what I'm saying. In the past couple months, something has shifted. And I'll tell you the things that cued it on for me. It's almost like a, a light went on. And I am not, something will happen. I'll get a tailgater or, you know, I mean, that's a little thing, but, or I'm on stupid, you know, um, voicemail hell with, you know, the, <laughs> the cable company or, you know, someone will say something that triggers, that could trigger me. And whenever, what, what started all this were a couple things. One was I had a failure in my business. And for about two hours, I was so mad and I was so upset. And then I said, I'm surrendering to this moment because things are, I keep telling myself, things are happening for me, not to me. Things are happening for me, not to me. And that failed because that was a good thing. Fail. I love saying fail. It's like one of my favorite words now. It's like I put it in quotes. Because a failure is only a redirect. It's, it's a place to learn and it's a redirect. And so I redirected into this state of incredible surrender. Now, when we're feeling good all the time, we don't get these moments of where we stop for a second and contemplate the spaciousness of spirit around us. We're just doing our thing. So if we're feeling good, we're connecting with people, we're doing this, we're, we're in doing. And when something quote unquote bad happens or a failure quote unquote happens, it causes a person to stop for a second, to pray, for instance, to contemplate to go deeper into oneself, to go deeper into spirit and start thinking, what was that about? Am I on the right track in my life? What am I doing where I'm not surrendering to what is? What am I trying to control? What am I choosing is good or bad, making judgments or good or bad preferences I've discovered? Are even judgments preferences i don't like that mean thing <laughs> i think that's dumb song that is a judgment it's not just a preference and i started noticing all these little like a way deeper level of quote-unquote negative thoughts as gifts and so now when I'm triggered or I could be triggered by a tailgater, for instance, if I'm not in the fast lane going slow, if I'm in a middle lane or whatever, and they're still tailgating me, I, I smile. I don't know why. I, Peggy, there's this sense of surrender, like they're tailgating me. They can go around me. I'm going the pace I'm going to go. 
bless them. They're freaked out, hurry, I'm not. I'm in a space of presence. I'm enjoying my day. And, and these things start, I feel like a duck. I don't know how long this is gonna last, but it's been going on for two months. And every day as I surrender to every moment, everything that comes up, not trying to make things happen my way, just going with the flow, life is shifting dramatically. So that's the first big shift I started making, a conscious choice to surrender at every moment. And the second big choice I made, I'm not Catholic, and my friend who called me about this is not Catholic, but she called or she texted me and said, hey, Lent started today. So that was a little over 40 days ago, right? And so I said, Lent, I, I, get the, I know the basic idea of Lent, but I don't know the background of Lent and why is it 40 days? And I know you give up something, but why? So I looked it up. I'm like, oh, so Christ was on the desert for 40 days and gave up food and fasted and had all these amazing illuminations, obviously. And I thought, I'm going to give up something for Lent. No, it was not sugar. No, it was not TV. No, it was not things like people give up. It was complaining. Mm. <laughs> for 40 days, I did not allow myself to complain. For sure, not through my mouth, but as much as I could, even not in my head. And it, as it began, the first week it began, I thought, I don't even know exactly, you know, I'd have a thought, is that a complaint? Or is that an observation? Or is that a preference? Is that discerning? Like I had to even under, complain is a, again, a conceptual word. What does it mean to complain? Can someone say that was something, you can't even say I didn't like. You know, it's like focusing on the negative, like you focused on that guy in the audience. Yeah. You know, well, I'm sure all these fans were just loving you, but you focused on that one. And exactly. It's like you were, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? It was like, focusing yeah, on yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. It, it's accepting life on life's terms. So it went hand in hand with no complaining, went hand in hand with surrender. And things are happening for me, not to me. And I took these concepts, these three concepts with me for my 40 days of Lent. I, I'll tell you, Peggy, it cleared out so many clogging thoughts. And I tell you, I've been de-looping my thoughts for years. I don't even think about it anymore. It's so automatic. I'm generally extraordinarily joyful and things are going fine, you know, I handle things well. Things are not always fine, but I handle them well. I don't react so hardcorely. Um, but this is a whole different level. This is when you're talking about the God or the guide or the whatever we want to call that source energy. That's been rushing in because the thoughts are clogging up my brain. My brain is more open and free. I'm calmer. I'm not rushing. I'm not doing all the time. I spend a few moments, not a few minutes. I'll get up. I'll make a cup of coffee. And I'll, instead of just starting immediately writing in my journal or for 
God help me looking on email or something like that. Instead, I take my coffee and I sit on my little coffee table and I look outside at the trees. And I just let my mind be quiet. And I sense the spirit around me. And the spirit enters more and more and more in the dreams. I'm telling you, something magnificent happens with, for me anyway, this combination of surrendering to what is and not complaining. It cleans things out. <laughs> I think that's why I like my Christian pop music because I'm listening to those lyrics mm-hmm. and not my own thoughts. Yes. You know, when I go in to do the dishes, like I hate, like I feel like I have done dishes my whole life. I don't want to <laughs> yeah. do them anymore. And so I turn on my Christian music and listen to that. I don't even know I'm doing dishes. Yeah. The whole kitchen clean, I wish, but you know, <laughs> clean it up. And and I could have my music on. If we're working outside, I, we gotta have some music on. I just music I gotta turn this off. Together. Yes, yes. Music is a serious godsend. <laughs> or can be, unless it's the music you just like, you know. But yeah, when we find things that Right. If I heard that loud screaming stuff, I would be. (laughs) (laughs) Someone just die. (laughs) Yeah. It's whatever is touching our, you know, I always kind of think of music as um, a tuning fork. I I play harp or I, I, especially in the past, I played harp for many years and I have this beautiful concert harp and to tune a harp is no easy thing to do because there's a bazillion I think there's 80 or something strings (laughs) so you're tuning for a long time and to get the very you only find one note and then you have to tune off of all that that one note so you have this tuning fork and you hit it on an object and then you place the tuning fork on the the running board of the the harp and it goes and that's an A or a C, whatever your turning fork is, and you tune it, try to match that. So then you tune the rest of the harp. So that's obviously the same with guitars and everything. But what I love is that whatever music we're listening to is like a tuning fork for what is inside of us. So someone might be tuned beautifully to heavy metal. Someone might be tuned to rap. Someone might be tuned to Christian music or to classical or jazz. And it goes, and it makes our insides light up. It gives us joy and energy um, or whatever it is we're looking for. And I, I love that when we find that because the whole body can come alive. And the thoughts, like you say, they can, they can go out. The first time I told my NDE at a group, ever told it publicly I was I was talking about being when I drowned at five and was hovering above the pond and then I was talking about my uh when I was 25 and the ectopic pregnancy and I was in heaven and I was there and I was I felt I was levitating while I'm talking and I was hooked after that on telling my NDE because I felt that realm 
And it stayed with me. It's like, I always say, you know, we had to go to my granddaughter's birthday party. After that, we had to go to Walmart and get her a a bike first. And I'm like, my feet can't feel the floor. It's still levitating. And it it stayed that way for a few hours. I just couldn't come down. And here's all these people at this party and they're all talking and I'm like, they can't see it, but I'm, I'm still up here. And it was such a strange feeling. And, you know, I was, I was always a shy person and I'm like, how am I going to get in front of people and talk? But I couldn't do it about anything other than this, because when it comes to this and I just like let go and something else takes over and it's like, not me, like I'm out of the way. It isn't about what I look like or sound like, or what people think at all. It's I'm there and I'm just reporting what I'm seeing and, and it's, and you know that's why I love doing these podcasts because we could talk about these things and so I'll be like levitating for a while after every one of them because it's just like we're we're in there yes I love that and I I love that you have a, a way to connect so intensely with that energy and levitate from it it's beautiful and I agree this there's something white miraculous about near-death experiences something very deep and unusual happens and i've i've noticed too talking to guests it confirm what i have been thinking about gratitude it seems like when we get us in a state of just this gratitude and it seems like it gets timeless and people have had out-of-body experiences during this you know either trauma or from gratitude it seems like it opens up a doorway like you can either like be so depressed and sad like god i need help and you don't even know you're asking god for help sometimes and and something's happening and you're in that realm or you can just be filled with this gratitude and then you're in that realm yes and i just wish that you know science would actually seriously study these things instead of you know you know still where we are today and 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 not try to have an agenda where you want them to go yeah you know like i can take a survey like i did the other day there's all these questions about oneness and then at the end of it it says do you have any suggestions or something like yeah you know stop with all the (laughs) pushing the oneness stuff (laughs) because they're wanting a certain answer to justify their theory and and i've seen it before and like my friend of mine she was sent this kind of a survey thing and they would use hers and these others if you experience this and this and this of course if you're the type person oh i just want you talking about me in this conference so i'm gonna you know answer them in the way you want and i don't know but but yeah i I just wish universities had um actual scientific psychological hospice whatever a mixture of these um subjects to come to actual conclusions you know maybe compare with all the universities okay what conclusions did you come to about these and then go forward because it's just too real not to be real well my response to that is how on earth 
could they come up with actual um, conclusions about something that is so profoundly unknowable to the human brain? Well, for example, um, when someone's had a near-death experience, it seems to me, just my lim limited experience talking to people, that if they've had a near-death experience, say like Evan and, and a lot of others has had like 3% chance of survival, 1%, and then you, if you do come back, you're going to be a vegetable, those kind of things. Um, right. Anita Morjani, you know, there's so many times, if you've had an NDE, throw those odds off the table. Because if this person had an NDE, they're going to have a miracle healing. And I believe it has to do with being in the light. And I think that somehow that light goes into our cells and miracle heals us. Um, I know with my tubal is the biggest tool of pregnancy they ever saw. And they sent me upstairs to sign my organs away instead of sending me down right down the hall in the basement where I was, where they do surgery to have my surgery. And they called my whole family and said, I wasn't going to make it. Oh Could have just run me into surgery. I mean, they don't know how I was alive. I has had internal bleeding for up here. It says filling your tire dog. But but I had my NDE the night before 1986 for anybody ever heard of NDE. And I couldn't tell my doctor, of course, because I don't then put me in psych ward. But the thing is, is because of the NDE, I told my doctor I'm not going home. Because I knew if I went home, I would die. And I don't want my sons to see my dead body. And so I thought I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die right here in the hospital. He can't tell what's wrong, but I knew something's wrong, so I just died. And so I'm not going to go home. I'll die here. But then all night long, I kept sitting up with this pain and the vomiting and stuff. And I would come back. I didn't have another NDE, but each time I knew I had just died again. And I'd say, God, I know you can't keep doing this. I told God something you can't do. Now I think back. You can't keep bringing me back, but please keep me alive till morning. Maybe my doctor will come in early. And check on me and do another ultrasound and find what's wrong. Because he mm -hmm. told me, Peggy, why do you keep saying it's a dual pregnancy? It's not a dual pregnancy. And so my doctor did come early in the morning and he did send me to ultrasound. And so, you know, but um, so when I was on Dr. Oz in 2019, he told me every time you passed out, you died. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I always thought that he confirmed it. Um, I couldn't say that I did because I didn't have any more near-death experiences. I just knew, like, God, you can't keep bringing back. And so I just wish that they could study these more because I think it should be on a question when they come in and triage. Um, oh. Have you had any mystical, out-of-body, religious, any strange experiences? Because a lot of people won't say, I yeah. was just in heaven in the, in the squad on the way up here. Yeah. And this would give them a clue. Hey, this person, trauma bed one, you know, they're near death here. Yeah. That would clue them in because there may not, like my internal bleeding, there might not be sign. You look fine. You know, right. we don't see anything. Bye-bye. And a lot of near-death experiencers I've interviewed were sent home. Yeah. Oh, and then they come back. One girl should come back four times. And then the fourth time, the doctor's like, oh my gosh, this woman had been bleeding out, but they hadn't seen it. When she got yeah. there, she wasn't. And, and, but then like I would start out to say was the ones that, um, they, they'd say, you know, some were even actually dead and, you know, get, getting them ready for the more one guy the other day, they're getting ready to cut him open to do his oh, autopsy. Yeah. And, you know, Ian McCormick, where you know, they had the tag on his toe, he's getting ready to go to the morgue and he woke up and it seems like, um, that 
when we've had an NDE take all those odds of they're not going to make it, stick them in this room, don't do nothing with them. Because if they've had an NDE, science should say, if they studied enough to prove it, that this person may survive and beat all those odds. And I don't know if you're a natural redhead, but, um, okay. My um, mother-in-law, before she passed, she was a nurse and she told me, she wasn't really like religious, spiritual or anything, but she said as a nurse, they knew if someone had red hair, they were more likely to have those types of experiences. Oh, how strange. And, and I got thinking, well, the Mayan people, that's mostly negative blood and they don't know where the negative blood comes from. A lot of them are the red hair. So I don't know. Um, but I just have a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> I drive my husband crazy. <laughs> I think it's good to have a curious mind. It's nice. Yeah. So. Well, I like where you're going with that. I, I feel like, um, I feel like it's easy for me to, I don't watch the news in the past few months. That's another thing I've done. I, I'll read headlines. I know what's going on. I stay informed. Me too. But I do not watch the news because that is someone else's mind mind virus that mm -hmm. they're putting into my head no matter which station you're watching their mind right virus right. that's my personal opinion so I, I make up my own mind but if one does watch the news or even after reading all my headlines the world can look like a complete and utter disaster and scary as hell and just full of the most rotten possible people. And it looks like consciousness is going down the tube and we're doomed and everyone's just gonna hate each other and kill each other and that's that. It kind of feels like that. But when I started really thinking about it, sure, all that is going on, but there are things that are never in the news and never on the headlines on Apple. Um, all the time like this podcast like all the near-death experiences that are being taught told like all the women that are finally getting in places of power like all the um the you know the children that were um molested by priests that's come out into the open by so many things that were hidden 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 or pushed down are coming out into the light of day. And we talk about, you talked about light as a healing factor. Unfortunately, it has to come into the light. And I think we're in a state right now where it's, it's the light has been turned on in the room and the shadows are being revealed. The shadows are having to go away by the light shown on them. And we're seeing the most horrific stuff. You know, when I um, have done classes in my de-looping method, the first week I have everyone start tuning in to their thoughts, start writing down, putting little notations next to ones that they hear repeated. Oh, I said that second time, now I'll do it. Oh, I heard that again, that same thought, I wrote it down. Sometimes I'll have like 10, 15 marks next to one thought. And this goes on for the whole week. And I'll inevitably 
get one or two people emailing me during the week saying, what have you done to me? I've never had so many negative thoughts in all my life. What, is there something in your program? I'm like, that is what's going on all the time. But the light of consciousness was not yet on the process of unconscious thinking. And I feel like when, when we talk about the science that you're dismayed by, yes, it, it's not just science. There's a whole bunch of things that are dismaying <laughs> going on. Mm -hmm. And yet, years ago, not that long ago, people couldn't even talk about near-death experiences. Yeah. Or like you said, go to the quote-unquote loony bin. Mm -hmm. Now, there's millions of us and a bazillion NDE, like IONS chapters, all around the world speaking about this. Now that is progress. And so I always say, if we're moving in the right direction, as we're shining the light on the darkness, we're, it's gonna be okay. It's just so easy for me and everybody, I think as a human being, to get stuck in looking what's still dark. And um, because people are more intrigued by that. There's more to talk about dark stuff than there is about light stuff. It's just funny. If you see a sunset, like how much can you talk about the sunset? You can perceive it, but there's not a lot to talk about. But when we talk about politics or something like that, you could go on for days or months about things. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we can be aware of what's going on and try to help problems where we see problems. Yeah. And but not stay in those problems and exactly. hate build and build and grow and grow yes. around those. Because I've run into some part people, of the problem. Yeah, I've run into some people who got so worked up, they were ready to join some kind of group and go do things. Yeah. And I started making phone calls, you know, Good. to try to prevent those things from happening. And I let them know that's not the answer. Yeah. That's just, you know, you can't hurt people in the name of whatever cause you have. That's never yeah. be an answer. So it's a fine line. Like you, you say, you know, you were trying not to focus on the negativity. We're trying to find our happy place. We're trying to stay, you know, in the light. But then all this stuff's going on and it's a balancing act of how much you are involved. Absolutely it is without putting the head in the sand. Mm -hmm. I agree. Doing what is in our power um, without harming anybody. That's key. I like, thank you for making those phone calls. Harming people is not helping. Um, and even, even um, getting super angry, like at, if you have any friends that believe differently than you, um, not you necessarily, but you, whoever's listening to this conversation. Um, it's very, very easy to become part of the problem. And instead of, again, seeing their behavior as behavior of someone who was so identified with their thoughts that they, are, they have forgotten who they deeply are. And there is a person underneath that behavior that is spirit that's every bit is full of the love spirit of God as another person is, as you are. And, and it's, 
not easy to pull the judgment out. Boy, it's not easy in this state of black and white. Everything's just this or that, you know? Yeah, I see, I see a lot lately on social media of people saying, I hate religion. Like I'll see it several times a day on my Facebook. Mm-hmm. I hate religion. I hate religion. And like, what are you talking about? Well, I had a bad experience. I, so you hate all people that attend service? Yeah. Have a religion because you had a bad experience? And yeah. then those people in those churches are thinking those people over there are the devil. And right. a friend of mine stopped at a yard sale at a church a couple years ago. And while she's looking at stuff, I asked the ladies, I said, is the pastor here? And she's, yeah, he's in his office. I said, can I talk to him? So they took me back. And I said, I had an IONS group at the time. Mm-hmm. I had just started one in this area because this is a very, I guess you say what, church belt or something. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's no other indie ears I know of but me down here. And I started this group. And so I asked if I could come maybe after his church service, naive me after the church service and offer this to people. If anybody's had a near death experience, spiritual experience, because in my mind, idea. <laughs> in my mind, this is all about God and Jesus and heaven and angels, not realizing, yeah. no, it's not for a lot of people in yeah. the NDE community. I didn't, I was naive. And so he said, no, I had to protect my flock. I said, from me. And I now know what he meant because I didn't know about the side of near-death experiencers that are non-Christian or against Christians, against church. And against I, I was unaware. I am aware now, but and I won't go in, into that any further. But so that's why I say I will not turn anybody away mm-hmm. from my podcast because my Christian friends have gotten mad at me and stopped speaking to me because I had somebody on here. They say they're new age. They're not Christian. Peggy, you should only have Christians. And on my response is like, Oh, Christian, like so-and-so that just did this and this and this to me and is putting bad name out saying that don't be on my, he caused a lot of people not to can't to cancel being on as a guest on my show because he told them I'm, I make Christians look bad. <laughs> and so that Christian, do you mean Christian like that? Yeah. So I'm not going to judge him. You know, yeah. my doors will be open both ends. Yes. And I'm, I'm grateful to you for that. Walking that line between these labels, this, this whole world full of labels is not an easy thing to do in, in ourselves. And then with people that we like, or sometimes even love, it's very hard. And, and yet, is the person the, the quote unquote new ager not someone of God? Of course, there's someone from God. Where else did they come from? Is the, the Christian not someone that is it was that is also from the Great Spirit? Of course, that person's from the Great Spirit. We might be doing unkind things to each other, but we all are part of the realm of the grand consciousness or of god or whatever you want to call it you just have weird names for it we just keep changing darn name <laughs> i kind of look at it as like um black people being at southeast ohio a lot of people have never seen a black person years ago before mm-hmm. and so there's very prejudice and um i, I got beat up <laughs> for a lot 
because I have black friends. They thought it, they said if if you are friends with them, you are one, and this is how we treat them. And I thought, well, you're making me like them even more because if that's how you treat them, I'm going over here on this side because you people oh, are anyway. But so I'm kind of looking at it as black and white. Like they assume all these things say New Ages is black and the Christians are white. And they say, oh, they're so bad. They're so bad. Don't associate with them. And then the black are saying, oh, the white, don't trust them. They're bad. And but if you get to meet one, a black or if a black meets a white and they're in the same situation, like I have in my podcast where they can look at them for an hour yeah. and, and hear their story, see that they're a kind person. See, they're not out here trying to hurt anybody. They're trying to make the world better. Then you're going to see that that might be as close as Christian as you're going to get without being a Christian. You know, as far as what your image, because I believe a Christian image should be someone that is kind and trying to do kind and not trying to harm. And and, and none of us are perfect. Like I say, we all have our negative times, and but we can always try to do better. Yes. Well, I always take it back to Christ himself. Like, would Christ be mean to a black person? Would Christ be mean to a new ager? And my understanding, his skin was darker than, you know, the most people would call black because where I live, anybody of a darker shade than white is black. It doesn't yeah. matter what they are. Yeah. Because they haven't seen that many. So they don't exactly. understand, well, this is this and this is that, you know? I mean, that's again where these 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 mind loops come up. Mind loops can be in the form of belief systems that are handed down from our parents, who are handed down from their parents, or blah 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 blah. You know, generations of people who um, don't know any um, African Americans, don't trust them, and vice versa. And and yet, what what bizarre labeling is this when? who knows why who knows why we came with different skin color it really is it's super weird when one starts actually thinking about a skin color having suddenly this huge it's again it's a concept that someone has in their mind someone with a certain skin color like what if it was a green jacket anyone that wears a green jacket suddenly is a certain kind of person it's just weird it's yeah. really odd when you think about it yeah and they shared how easy it is to make people prejudice the um little scenarios they had with the kids at schools and they would say okay we're going to play this game and they say people with say blue eyes are all bad and they're not smart and they're this and then and how they start treating people differently and then, then realize this scenario or, or however they do it and it's no different than what's going on now with all these adults in the world that are jumping on and republic i see it all day republicans are da 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 and 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 i admit i'm guilty of well you democrats you liberals you're this and this and this you know and i'm just as guilty but yeah, um, yeah. we all we all think we're right I and that's the truth that's another mind loop yeah. <laughs> it's actually really funny when one starts kind of popping out of the opposites. Um, it's almost funny. <laughs> it's a it's a funny thing that starts happening that there's an acceptance of what is 
and not um but i don't know i don't even it's it's so bizarre i don't even know how to describe it but it's um all this anger about someone not believing the way we believe i'll tell you that one of the pieces of information whatever gave me you can call it god guide spirit angel i don't know but it was that there it said there are lies on both sides there are lies on both sides so anyone that buys into either side is being fed lies and i really really believe it's so easy to fall into the stream of a group consciousness that's believing this one thing whether it's democrat or republican or new age or christian or black or white whatever and we flow in with this group consciousness and we're fed that group consciousness right from the shows we watch the social media the people we hang out with and then pretty soon that's the only true reality there is so much else going on and and i don't want to be fed lies about either side of any argument i i want to be able to let go of all that know that there's a hell of a lot excuse my language but there's a lot of noise going on on both sides <laughs> and bickering and disjointedness and unkindness and i don't want any part of that i want to see how much i can stay in the center of my own being in the center of spirit make up my own mind and it's not even about my mind it's about my heart go into out of this crazy place where all this judgment and hatred and disjointedness is and go straight into the heart and realize there's something okay going on and i don't want to be involved in either side with all those lies i want to get back into my own center that's that's where i've been in lately because this I is keep, way too much I, when we talk about things like this i always start hearing that song um clowns to the left of me jokers to the right here i am <laughs> stuck in the middle with you <laughs> <laughs> that's right so I don't want to keep you all day. I appreciate your time. It's been really oh, awesome. This has been a really, really deep and interesting conversation, Peggy. I really am grateful for you for um, for in, um, inviting me, for reaching out to me, and for having your channel for all these people can to, to contemplate things, to really go in and, and think about what's going on and your beautiful spirit. I really, really have enjoyed meeting you and I'm so grateful for everything you're doing. I've enjoyed meeting you too. <laughs> what a life you have lived. <laughs> and likewise. <laughs> okay, thank you. Maybe I'll see you again someday. Okay. Bye.